It's so good to be back up here. It's felt like it's been a couple months since I've been able to speak. Um, so I've been excited. I've been looking forward to this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Greg, Greg Barker. I'm the youth director here. Um, and yeah, we're going to kind of jump into things this morning. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had this thing called Hot Seat Sunday. And maybe if you weren't here, you're coming here for the first time, you're viewing online for the first time, you're like, Hot Seat Sunday, what happened? Well, let me tell you what happened. We had three seats up here, and we had three of our pastoral staff members. So it was Ashley, our worship pastor, Lester, our discipleship pastor, and Pastor Ed, our senior pastor. They were up here answering and responding to the questions we had as a congregation. And so any question that was thought of um, was asked, because trust me, I was the one backstage, thank goodness I wasn't on the hot seat. I was the one receiving the questions and queuing them up for them to discuss. And it was a really good morning. Unfortunately, church is only about an hour, not five, six hours, because they could have kept going with the amount of questions that were coming through. But as I was sitting backstage, getting a chance to read what was coming in, a couple things struck me. The first thing was, wow, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of good thinking, there's a lot of things out there that we as a church are kind of wrestling through, and I would say we as a culture are trying to figure out, right? Our, our faith, Christianity, it's offensive, right? We believe some pretty offensive things, and as culture's pushing one thing, we're preaching Christ, and, and how does that align? How does it not align? What are we supposed to say in situations and not say? Those, that was one of the themes I was finding. And another one was just, just this really, this hunger that we have, which was fantastic, this hunger for answers. And the Apostle Paul tells us to have a defense for our faith, right? To know why we believe what we believe. And so that's fantastic, that's good. But as I was sitting back there, I was like, oh man, like I, I spend a lot of time trying to find out, okay, what's my view on abortion? What's my view on creation. What's my view on same-sex attraction and marriage and all that stuff? I spend a lot of time, a lot of energy in those conversations, and those are usually the questions I get asked. I was sitting on the hockey bench, mid-game, second period, we're down two nothing, and a guy goes, hey, Barker. I was like, yeah, he goes, you're a priest, right? I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. He goes, what are you? I'm like, it's kind of hard to explain. I hang out and throw eggs at teenagers and that kind of stuff, not actually. But he goes, okay, so like, what's your view on homosexuality? I'm like, hold on, literally jumped over the boards, went and played, jumped back. He goes, okay, while we were out there, what's your view on, and he said something else. And we had this amazing conversation mid-game. The other player's like, what's going on out here? But th those are kind of the questions we are faced with, and, and that's kind of where my mind goes. But as I was satting, sitting backstage thinking, you know what? We need to, yes, have answers. We need to have thinking to these big questions. But it's just as important, if not maybe more important, to know the core fundamental values of what we believe in. If we don't know who we are in Christ, if we don't know what it means that he came and died for us, that we could have relationship with him or with the Father through him, that we could have his Holy Spirit in us, leading us, guiding us, if we don't understand that in its entirety, then a lot of these other things we're talking about don't matter as much. And so my question, which I didn't write in, but if I was going to write in, this would be my question. Why do so many people of faith lack true joy for others and for ourselves. If I was gonna write a question, that's what it would be. 
Why are we as the church, we as Christians, we are told about this new life, about this happiness we could have, this freedom, yet we are filled with anxiety, sadness, judgment to others and ourselves. Simply, a lot of us aren't happy. And as I was thinking about that, I think, to be like fully honest with myself, I, I think I crave authenticity. I think we crave authenticity. We wanna be real, we wanna know people, we want people to know us. But we act, because we're afraid to open up. We put up walls, because we don't really want people to know everything that goes on behind closed doors, or everything we think. We put up these walls. Actors, they can't be authentic. And I wanna be a little bit careful here. I'm not standing up here and being like, we're a bunch of hypocrites, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think there's a little bit of truth, there's a little bit of help in understanding our culture, understanding who we are, and understanding what we need to be like. If we look at this word hypocrite, when it's originally translated from scripture, it actually means someone who is acting, someone who is pretending, someone who's hiding who they are. Oftentimes it's intentional, sometimes unintentional. And I think hypocrisy, I think acting unintentionally is one of the biggest reasons people get turned off the church. I think one of the biggest lies in our cultural Christianity, notice not our Christianity, am I buzzing pretty good? Let me mute this. It's my beard. Thank you. I'll keep this on. All right, is that better? Perfect, thanks Mike. All right, what I was saying was I think one of our biggest lies that we live in our cultural Christianity, because we've made Christianity cultural, we've adapted it, we've tried to understand it, we've applied it to ourselves. I think one of the things we lie about is that we're all good. Everything's fine. Everything's status quo. And then we're unwilling to be okay with that. We think we want that, but then we crave authenticity. We want relationship and we just can't seem to get it. J.C. Riley had a quote. He said, sound Protestant and evangelical doctrine is useless if it is not accompanied by a holy life. It is worse than useless. It does positive harm. Think about that. Good, sound Protestant evangelical doctrine, good theology, good opinions, good reasons for what we believe, all that's useless. Even though that's important, it's useless if it's not accompanied by a holy life. We could have all the right answers, but if we're not living it, it's kind of meaningless. Francis Bacon said, a bad man is worse when he pretends to be a saint. This might be dating myself a little bit. I'm sure none of our youth know this band, but DC Talk? I don't even know if our youth know Reliant K, but anyways, that's another story. Brennan Manning says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in our world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is simply what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. An unbelieving world, it's what we live in. It's our culture. They find that unbelievable. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to go to one of Jesus's teachings and I want to slowly kind of couple verses at a time by a couple verses, kind of look at what Jesus is saying about us who are acting. Look at what Jesus is saying about the fundamentals of what we believe in. How can we have true joy? 
How can we not have this anxiety? I know there's, there's anxiety that sometimes we can't help, but I think there's a form of anxiety that we put on ourselves. How can we find freedom in Christ that he teaches us, that Paul talks about book after book after book in the New Testament? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Matthew 11, verse 25. We're going to look at how we can actually be authentic. How we can not be an actor, because actors can't be authentic. And so what's happening here, a little bit of context, is Jesus had just finished talking to three towns in Galilee, and he was condemning them because he was performing these miracles, these works. He was preaching and sharing what he was coming to do, was to give new life. And not a single person believed. They didn't believe that Jesus was a Messiah. They failed to repent of their sins. And so we pick up here in verse 25, and this is what it says. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now, I think this needs a little bit of explaining before we continue to read, right? He's saying the first and very first thing Jesus says is, I praise you, Father. Okay, we can understand that. Thank you, Father. But then he says, thank you for hiding these things from the wise and the learned. Thank you for hiding the deep truths of our faith from the smart people. Okay, what, what's going on here? What's he talking about? Well, context is he was saying he was praising the Father for keeping information from the Pharisees, from the religious leaders. Why? Well, these people, they were smart and they were book smart and they were um, affluent at the time, I would say, with knowledge, right? They, they had the influence, they had the power. And if we think about it today, what this is meaning is, you know, a lot of the times in our culture, we chase the promotion. We chase a bigger home. We chase um, influence and power and not, those things are not bad at all. But what happens with the wise and intelligence that we have in our culture is we think we know better than God. We think we're the kings of our lives and we make decisions based on solely what we want. And so this isn't saying if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you're not smart, you're not wise. It's actually saying you are wise, you are smart. And then he goes on, right? Thank you for revealing the kingdom of God essentially to those little children. Well, think about little children. I don't have any of my own, but recently um, I have a little niece and it's been awesome watching her kind of grow up the past couple months. I've been around lots of kids my whole life. And when you look at a child and you look on their dependency on their parent, it's constantly mom, dad, or their guardian, who's ever in charge of them. They're constantly needing them for their next meal, for what they're going to wear, to bathe them, right? To make every essentially, essentially decision for them. Kids need their guardians, and so what this, what Jesus is saying here is, we need to be like children. Every decision that we make, we need to go to the Father. We need to go in prayer. We need to seek the Lord as we make decisions. We need to have a dependency. And this isn't just, okay, what, what's my next step? What's my five-year plan in life? Pray about it. Because I think we do that, most of us. Okay, is it time for us to, I don't know, have a kid. Okay, let's pray about that. Is it time for us, is it time for me to go, you know what, go back to school or go to school or what school should I go to? We pray about those decisions. But what about when we wake up and we, we think, okay, it's Saturday, I have a free day. What am I going to do today? Or, wow, I got um, on my tax return. What am I going to do with this extra money? Or what should I wear today? What, what clothes should I have? Should I do chores today or should I go out and have fun? In our little decisions, we make up our own minds. And we so often don't bring the Lord into everything that we do. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. Is he says, be wise and intelligent. 
by being in tune with me, by making every decision with me. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like, in our culture, the wise and the learned, the the smart people that call themselves smart because really they're not smart in the things that are important. You could have dependency on me and I will bless you and I will walk with you. So let me ask you are, you, are you like the wise and the learned that rely on your own strength for every decision? Or are you like a child? Do you not have things figured out and you have a dependency on the Lord? And that's where I think, like I said, this act comes up. We love to pretend we have it figured out. We love to pretend we know what we're doing. I, was, I can't even remember what it was. I was thinking about it this morning. I was trying to like, fix something at home and my wife, who's much smarter than me, says, hey, Greg, like, can, can I help you with this? I was like, no, 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 like, I got it, I know what I'm doing. And then, I don't know, half an hour later, she comes back and I've made a mess of the whole situation. And she's like, why didn't you just ask for help? Like, I knew how to fix this. And as I got thinking about that, it's because I didn't want to admit that I needed help. And it was small and silly, but there's something inside of us that puts up a wall that wants to show other people we have it figured out. And we're going to pretend we do, we're going to fake it till we make it, Right? We're going to pretend we do and show them that we got everything under control. But this isn't what God's saying. This isn't what Jesus is saying. He goes, come to me like a child. Come have faith like a child. He goes on in verse 26, right? For this is what you were pleased to do. It is the good pleasure of the Father that the kingdom of God would be revealed and manifested to those who are needy, independent, like children, like infants. I think we've got to remember that. No matter if you are a a child, a toddler, if you're 10 years old, if you're a teenager, a young adult, an adult, a senior, I think these are words we need to live by. So if we keep going, we look at verse 27. It says this, all things have been entrusted to me by my father. This is Jesus speaking. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son deserves to reveal him. So Jesus is saying, Right? All things that the Father owns, all things that are known by the Father have been entrusted to me, Jesus. Nobody knows the Father like I do because we are one. Right? Our deity, we share it with, his, with the Spirit. Right? There's three in one. They are one and the same, yet they are three individual persons. And it's the very same thing Jesus is saying here in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think there's something very interesting that I think we know, but we miss. When we think about what Jesus did, right? He was sent by the Father to this earth. Our earth was broken. Our earth, our world is still broken. It's still chaotic. But Jesus was sent to make things right. And that's what he did. He came as a servant. He lived a perfect life. He was killed for what he came to do. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And we celebrate that as we should, right? And we thank the Lord that because he was put to death, we are now covered. We, we didn't have a life to give. Jesus' life covered that for us. And he rose again, and now we can be born again. We can be forgiven for our sins, and along our merry way we go. But we forget that there's a second part to that. We know Jesus because we can read about him in the scriptures. We could read about Jesus in historical books. Talk to Ashley if you're curious about that. There's a lot of proof that he existed. We know the Holy Spirit. He can live within us and he could lead and prop and guide us. Yet we don't know a lot about the Father. We know he's a creator. We know he's, he's God. But Jesus is saying here, I can give you new life. I can give you relationship with the Father, but it comes through me. And so I think we need to take that and think about that. 
We need to know that we can have a relationship with the one who created us, with the one who created this world, with the one who spoke things into existence. We can be thankful for what Jesus did and how the Holy Spirit's working in our life, but we need to have time knowing the heart of our Father. How does that look like? That's time with him. Time in the word. Time in prayer. It's acknowledging the Father in your life. And so I think if we can spend time having a dependency on the Lord like a child... If we can have time getting to know the heart of the one who set everything in motion, the one who created all things, I think that will contribute to kind of reprioritizing this act that we live, that reprioritizing how we feel about ourselves and other people, how we can actually have new life. And let's jump down now to verse 28. Let's keep going here. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If we pause here for a second, what's a yoke? So I was teaching out of this verse, junior high, I think it was a big beginning of this year. And I asked the students, okay, does anybody know what a yoke is? And I still remember this grade six boy put his hand up. I was like, yeah, it's in an egg. <laughs> it is, but this is a different kind of yoke. Okay, so think about, don't think about eggs. Think about um, a long kind of wooden, like, beam, okay? And what a yoke would do is it would rest along the shoulders of two oxen. Okay, and so as the oxen were pulling a burden or pulling a load, the yoke would give them, would keep them aligned, would allow for the two oxen to pull whatever they were pulling with the best efficiency. So as one got tired, the other one would, would help it out because it would be getting pressure on its neck. Or if one was trying to turn right, the other one would keep it in line. It was, it's a system that can keep things going in the same direction with better efficiency. If an oxen was going on its own and there's two oxen going, they would kind of weave and waddle and wouldn't be straight and it would be a mess. So that's what a yoke is, okay? So let's keep reading. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is saying here, I am humble. I am gentle. He is our king. But when we think of kings, we think of conquerors, right? Look how the media portrays a king. Killers, conquerors, in charge of things, right? They're large and in charge and, and they're paving the way. And Jesus says, I'm not a king like that. I'm gentle and wise. I came to serve. I came to love. And I came with a purpose. Take my yoke upon you and I will make your burden light. You know, we have burdens in life. We're going to continue to have burdens in life. There's this thing called sin that, yeah, we, we're, we're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And we know that Jesus cleanses us from it, but we still make mistakes. I'm the last person to say I'm, I'm perfect. I'm far from it. I make mistakes. We all will. And so we have this burden we carry. He says, come, put, put this yoke on. Come with me. I'll make it light. I will lead you on the straight and narrow. I'll walk with you in life. Learn from me. Be humble. Be gentle. Be a servant. Come join me in my work. Right? We, we live such, really, I live a selfish life. I think, hey, what, am I want, what do I want to do today? What do I want to do this weekend? Okay, let's look at our calendars. When can we get away? When can we do this? Like, I, I so often don't think about, okay, how am I walking with the Lord? What does Jesus want from me today? What, what am I doing this week to honor him? Jesus is essentially saying, Join me. 
Be one with me. I've given you my spirit to lead and to prompt and to guide. I've given you access to my father to have relationship. Now, let me ease your load as you walk through this life, as you make mistakes, as you conquer sin, as you are trying to make choices, let me walk with you. Why don't you come learn from me? I think it's pretty incredible if we can actually take a moment to stop and look at how Jesus lived. How unconventional he was. How people talked about him. What people thought about him. And then yet, the impact that he's had on all of our lives. We know God intended to have a relationship with us right from the very beginning. And when that relationship was broken because of our choices, right, Adam and Eve, he found a way, or he knew a way to restore that relationship. And that's, a, that's where we are right now in our lives. We're, our, our relationships, our lives are being restored with him. But we need to do something about our lives. We need to stop acting. We need to start being authentic. We need to stop putting walls up. It's little things. And I, and I did this today and I caught myself. It's, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Sweet. Carry on. Right? How was your week? Ah, it's fine. It's busy. Okay. What's going on? Not much. You? <laughs> the amount of texts I receive like that. NMU? Like, what does that mean? Not much. You? Oh, okay. Not much. Have a good day. Right? We, we don't get deep. Right? And, and like I said, if you, what I say is, it's like, oh, what's going on? I said, oh, life's going. It's going. Like, if, if I do that to you, please call me out. I don't want to do that. But it's ingrained in our culture. It's ingrained in who we are. We just automatically put up these walls without even thinking about it. How was your week? I'm just busy. Life's busy. But it's busy for all of us. We put up these walls. That's not authentic. And then we wonder why. Hmm. Why do I feel like nobody cares about me? Why do I feel like people are judging me? Why do I feel so distant from people? Why is there this feeling, when I say the church, I don't mean Springville, I mean the church, us Christians. Why does our culture feel like we're so judgmental and we're so cold and we're so full of hate? It's because we're not authentic. We know truth, we have answers, yet we don't live them. I think one of the most destructive lies in our churches is that we're fine, we're good, life's okay, we're just plugging away, it's going. Versus how was your week? You know what? It was tough. I'm really struggling with this decision that I made. Can you pray for me? Imagine if we did that when we walked into church and we saw somebody's hand on a shoulder praying for somebody else. Like imagine the impact that would have. But again, like, oh, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be authentic, yet that's what I want. How are you doing? You know what? I'm really struggling with about how I feel with myself today or how I feel this week or this happened in my life and I just need to tell somebody. What's going on? I'm struggling with the choices my kids are making. I'm struggling with the choices my friends are making. I'm struggling with the choices I'm making. Why can't we have these conversations? Why when we ask and we get a response like this, do we go, "Uh uh-oh, they want to talk and we run the other way? Actors aren't authentic. Christ is authentic. We are to be like Christ. We are to press into these moments. If we want joy, if we want purpose, it stems from authenticity. It actually stems from knowing Christ. 
having his spirit inside of you, allowing his fruit of the spirit, the work that he does inside of us to lead, to guide, to prompt us. But we have to do something about it. And it's not going, okay, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to trust that the other people are going to be authentic with me. Can't live that way. It starts with you. Don't worry about the other people. Go, I'm going to choose to change my interactions with people. I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to pray and hope other people do that too. I think sometimes the hardest critics are ourselves. So the question I asked at the beginning, during Hot Seat Sundays, I was sitting back there, thought to myself, why do so many people of faith lack true joy for others and for ourselves? And as I was sitting back there and I kind of was boiling it down, I think, like I've been saying, it's because we're acting. I think we're afraid to be real with ourselves. Think we're afraid to be real with others. Imagine what this place, Springville, imagine what our church would look like if we could just be authentic. Right? We have these big questions, which again are so important. So keep asking them, keep searching for answers. And we have these fundamental foundational truths that need to go hand in hand. We need to spend just as much time knowing our beliefs. So that when we get asked these questions, we know where to start. I was at the same actual hockey team. It was another, another game. One of the guys asked me a question about the Bible, and I had no idea. Like, honestly, no clue. And I kind of looked at him and was terrified. And I was like, I'm, I'm supposed to have the answers, right? We're supposed to know what we believe. And I, and I said kind of sheepishly, um, it's a great question. I'm going to go home and read my Bible and I'm going to come back to you next Wednesday and let you know what it, what, what it says. And, and I kind of felt bad about doing that and I kind of like gave myself a pity party as I was driving home and, and I went home and I kind of looked up and I was like, of course, I did know the answer, but it just wasn't coming to mind. And, and I went back the next day and I said, hey man, or the next week, I said, this is, was your question. This is what I kind of came to after, as I, after I spent a little bit of time studying. And he, we had a really good conversation. He said, you know what, it was kind of cool that you didn't know the answer right away. I always thought Christians were kind of stuck up and had all the answers and had everything figured out. But the fact that you said you didn't know and that you took the time to figure it out for me means you actually care. And I'm not telling you this story because I did a good job. I screw up that all the time and I give a, an answer that I think is right in the moment and I screw up and all that. But what I'm trying to, to show us, what I'm trying to explain is life's messy. Life doesn't always make sense. Life is hard. Culture is going against Christianity. And you don't have to have all the answers right away. You have to know who you are. You have to have your foundation. And then you seek truth and you find out the answers and you do it in love. Christ came humbly as a servant. He didn't come and to yell at people and tell them how they were living was wrong. He came to show them by how he acted. So church, let's show people what love is. Let's show each other what authenticity is. Let's show the world what it actually means to be a Christ follower. Because some of the stuff we have to leave behind, some of these burden that we have to carry are tough and our world's not going to understand. But we understand because we know the heart of Christ. We know our creator. And we have the spirit inside of us. And so the three quick things I kind of want us to leave with, the three things I pulled out of this passage as I was reading it was one, need to have authentic faith like a child. How do we not be so hard on ourselves? 
You ever seen a kid be hard on themselves? No, they just laugh and run around and fall down and get up. They, they don't look at their clothes and think, wow, like I don't match today. Or they don't go in with, with hair crazy and go, I wonder if people are going to think I'm not put together because my hair is all a mess. Right? They would have snot on their face and Oreo behind their ears and they're just here for a good time. That's a child. And throughout scripture, you saw Jesus always telling people, don't stop the children from coming to me. Have faith like these kids. I withhold information from those who think they're pretty good and I show the world, I show the kingdom to those like children. So be like a child. God the Father is your father. And everything we do and all that we are, as we pray without ceasing, as we're told to do, we need to know the heart of the Father and we truly need to be dependent on him. Second thing we pulled out, right, is we need to know the heart of the Father. Yes, we need to understand what we are saved from, and that's the pinnacle, that's the climax of our Christian faith. But that allows us to be in relationship with the Creator. Think about these celebrities that are all over our world and how much we would die just to be in the presence of one of them. Or as a concert, we all reach our hands out just so they would touch us, right? Which makes no sense if you think about it. Right? We follow them on Instagram. We DM them hoping they would see a message. And if, for you older people, don't worry. Ask your kids what that means and they'll explain it to you. Right? We, we, want to, we want to just be noticed by these celebrities. And we have the one who created the celebrities. We have the one that is the celebrity of celebrities saying, I actually want to know you. I'm waiting. I sent my son. He did the work to restore you. And today we can be in communication. I think that's pretty amazing. Have faith and dependency like a child. Know the heart of the Father. And with that, guys, be in the Word. Be in prayer. That's where that takes place. The third thing we pulled out is ask Jesus to give you his yoke. Life is challenging. Life might not get easier. I know there's this misconception that, yeah, you become a Christian and then you kind of skip on your merry way and life's all good. Actually, it's not. And God's going to allow us to go through some trials and some hard times. He's going to allow the world to hurt us in certain ways to shape and mold who we are. And then there's parts of Christianity that, yes, it's easier. You have purpose and joy and love. But we're going to be carrying a burden. He says, come, let me walk with you. Not you can figure it out. Like, what, a, what a God we serve. Let me put my yoke upon you. Let me love you. Let me serve you. As then you go and love and serve other people. This isn't rocket science. I think if we want true joy, true happiness, it starts there. And I think we can do this. I think we can figure this out. So why don't we pray? Father, we come to you humbly. We thank you that you love us despite our sin despite us thinking we know better, despite our mistakes. We thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus, that you gave us your spirit to indwell, that you want relationship. Thank you that no matter who we are, what we've done, you love us. And so I pray today, Lord, that we can be authentic, that we can stop acting, that we can put the walls down and be real with ourselves and real with others. That we can know you 
and know that you created us individually and wonderfully and for a purpose. In a world that screams, you go get yours and you do whatever makes you happy, Lord, we wanna do what you want us to do. We wanna be who you created us to be. We wanna make a difference not for ourselves, but for you. So help us to be a church that loves. Help us to be a church that is making an impact in York region. Help us to be a people who are known that they are in tune with your spirit. We trust you, Lord, with all of our things. We trust you with all of our decisions. We thank you for the amount of love you love us with. We pray this in your name. Amen.